All right, it is 6 November. It's uh, Sunday. Time for the CG Prophecy Report. Is it intentional? That and a lot of other things to go over on today's report. Okay, we got some visitors here. We've got Greg and his daughter, Isabel, and their last name is Arjit Singer. And uh, I'm sorry, Greg and his daughter, Hannah, okay? Uh, His daughter, Hannah, lives down in Fort Myers, along with her brother, Nathan, who couldn't make it. And then his wife, Isabel, is watching right now online, so we want to greet her. And uh, they are from Alabama, And so they're visiting the church today, and uh, the children that are in uh, Fort Myers, the daughter has come up, and uh, it's funny, I won't say what happened, but he introduced his daughter wrong when he uh, uh, introduced her to me, and then I just did it wrong introducing her as his, uh, whatever I said. (laughs) Anyway, so we're getting it. Everybody's a little uh, sleepy because we all stayed up late figuring we had an extra hour of sleep, and then... Actually, what I did, I'm sleepy because I went to bed an hour early plus an hour extra of sleep, and I never sleep that long, ever. And boy, I got a lot of sleep, but I'm Mr. Groggy today, I got to tell you. So there you go. But I want to welcome you guys. It's really a pleasure to have you both here. So uh, let's see here. We got some news from Israel. From the Jerusalem Post, Israel must get rid of its nuclear weapons. The UN General Assembly majority decides. So they've arbitrarily decided that this must happen. And I can assure you one thing, that ain't going to happen. Israel must dispose of all of its nuclear weapons and place its nuclear sites under the IAEA's purview. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen. The UN General Assembly First Committee stated in an initial vote of 152 to 5, the five nations that opposed Friday's resolution on the risk of nuclear proliferation in the Middle East were Canada, Israel, Micronesia, Palau, and the U.S. Micronesia and Palau generally vote the way we do because they are territories of the U.S. Okay, uh, why Canada is doing anything for Israel anymore, I don't know because they've gone so far left. But um, yeah, this isn't something that you can expect to happen anytime soon. But the risk of nuclear proliferation in the Middle East, and they're worried about Israel. Even if Israel does have a bomb, which they've never confirmed, and we know they do, and they've had it for many, many, many years, I don't remember them blowing anybody up with nuclear weapons. Uh, Everybody else is trying to get one, and they've promised that Israel will disappear the day they get one, when uh, it just makes no sense. But here we go. The annual resolution submitted by Egypt to the UNGA in New York was sponsored by the Palestinian Authority, who can't do anything about it, so they have to have somebody else sponsor it, and 19 countries, including Bahrain, Jordan, Morocco, and the UAE. The resolution largely targets Israel, which is believed to be one of only nine nations to possess nuclear weapons. Israel is never admitted to having such weapons. The resolution notes that Israel is the only country in the Middle East and one of the few among the UN's 193 member states which has not signed the NPT. Iran, which is a signatory to the treaty, is believed to be on the path to developing nuclear weapons. So what good is the treaty if they have signed it and they're still going for nuclear weapons? It makes no sense, but this is how governments and bodies like this work. Despite this, the resolution did not mention Iran. The resolution reaffirmed the importance of Israel's accession to the 
NPT and placement of all of its nuclear facilities under comprehensive IAEA safeguards in realizing the goal of universal adherence to the treaty in the Middle East. It further called on Israel to accede to the treaty without further delay, not to develop, produce, test, or otherwise acquire nuclear weapons, to renounce possession of nuclear weapons, and to place all of its unsafe, guarded nuclear facilities under the full scope of the agency's safeguards as an important confidence-building measure among all states of the region and as a step toward enhancing peace and security. Yeah, from the Jerusalem Post. IDF to draft women into Border Defense Corps tank crews. Now, I talked about this a year or two ago. They had some tank crews that were training down in the Egypt area, and they've decided that they are an effective fighting force on their own, and so they're going to give them a uh, tank of their own or tanks of their own and bring them into the Defense Corps. The IDF has decided that female soldiers can serve in the Armored Corps tank brigades along the country's borders following a successful pilot program, which I brought up. Chief of Staff Lieutenant General Kohavi accepted the recommendation of Ground Forces Head Major General Yadai. From now on, they will be permanently assigned to the position, the military said. Kohavi said the Army recently concluded a professional and in-depth process to start opening up more and more combat positions for women. I trust the female soldiers serving in the tank to carry out the mission of border defense professionally and with great success, he said. They will be a significant part of the IDF's operational effort. The decision was made based on both professional and operational considerations in accordance with the needs of the military, the IDF said, adding that all female soldiers who completed the program met all the predefined criteria. They included successful team building and effective command over the regimental framework that integrates both infantry and armor, prolonged motivation to serve in the position, and not exceeding the average dropout for female combat soldiers. The pilot program lasted two years and included a training period as well as a year-long operational deployment along the Egyptian border with the female soldiers serving under the command of the Paran Brigade as tank operators in the mixed-gender Karakel, meaning Wildcat Battalion. The program saw three full recruitment and training cycles with several of the women completing the programs as officers. Now, not to be gross, but my thought is that when a bomb goes into one of those tanks and blows it up, it's going to be a sad day for the other soldiers to have to go and get those bodies out. Uh, you know, war should be a male thing. I just don't agree with this position. There are women that serve all over the world, but that's not my thing. I would not want to be in the military serving and have to see that personally. You bet. Very, very difficult. He's, what he's talking about is the tracks on the tanks and the body strength that it takes to put them back on when they come off. And uh, uh, I don't know if they would be physically capable of doing that themselves or not. Um, and so there are issues with this. But to me, the main issue is just the, you know, that's a female laying there blown apart. And I, I would not want to be a soldier and have to go through that. I think it would be demoralizing, not something that is you know, bringing forth more morale and esprit de corps. But that's just me. From the Times of Israel, Russian ambassador says Israel need not worry about Moscow's ties with Iran. Oh, from Ukrainska Pravda, Zelensky, it's time for Israel to decide whose side they are on. 
From Haaretz, Zelensky warns Israel Putin will help Iran go nuclear in the exchange for drones. Haaretz, after Zelensky warning, U.S. defends Israel for not sending weapons to aid the Ukraine. From the Times of Israel, Zelensky to Sharansky, Israel is one of the few countries that can help defend our skies. And from the Jerusalem Post, as Russia attacks Ukraine with drones, Germany looks to Israel to protect critical facilities. As drone warfare makes the headlines for the use of unmanned vehicles by rushing to Ukraine, 12 German pilots landed in Israel to take part in a course to operate Berlin's newest Heron TPUAV. So Israel is at the forefront of that, and they're sending people from Germany down there to learn that. At the same time, uh, Zelensky wants those up in the Ukraine. They also want uh, defensive programs for the Ukraine. Russia is saying that if you do that, that's going to be a problem. And Israel's stuck right in the middle. Now, imagine this. You've got how many countries in the Middle East? And Israel's the only country that faces this. That shows you that they are ahead in the world in these type of things. They are the center of focus in the center of focus of the whole world. And that does not seem to be by chance, having read the Bible several times. Okay, I can assure you that it's not. But there you go. Just some thoughts for you on that. We have some news from Christianity. Harv, who's doing the Bible Typer app, I've been telling everybody about these things. I had more people sign up this past week, and I uh, will be interested in how they go. But he said, I completed the program that the chronological entire Bible uh, set up. I started sometime in mid to late July. So he's done the whole Bible. And then Philip has started and is whipping right along. So if you want to learn to type better and learn the Bible at the same time, and I've gotten a lot of positive reports from people, try this out. Okay, it's a great thing. You'll be able to type quicker. And uh, if you're not the type to sit and read the Bible, I understand that some people don't. You can listen to them on audio Bible. But at the same time, you can also type and you'll get the Bible ingrained into your head. One way or another, I would suggest that you learn the Bible. You're never going to know God. Impossible unless you know Jesus Christ. It is not possible. And you will never know Jesus Christ unless you read your Bible. So I would ask you, please read your Bible before you do anything else. Get into the Bible every day. From The Advocate, Vatican reviews policies on LGBTQ plus parishioners, women in leadership. This is the Vatican. They've been like this for, you know, I mean, I'm not saying they were ever like this, but they've been like this for eons. And all of a sudden, they're really starting to just tank under this pope that they have. The RCC is looking inward. A new document released today indicates that the church is aware of some outdated teachings. Outdated. The Bible. The relevance of scripture is outdated. Outdated teachings and may consider a more significant role for women and LGBTQ plus people. The Vatican. I mean, you would never have thought this. I mean, their, they, their doctrine has never been anything what we would call sound. But I can tell you that I would never have thought this. And all of a sudden, Pope Francis comes in and this is what we're facing. As part of Pope Francis's ongoing consultation process with Catholics worldwide, a new Vatican document covers several topics, including women's ordination, homosexuality, children of priests, sexism, and clergy abuse, which were once considered of utmost taboo within the Catholic Church. Some of those that are taboo should have been allowed all along. So they've always been convoluted, but this is just going way away from Scripture now. 
under Popes John Paul II and Benedict XVI, just mentioning many of the topics raised in the new document may have raised an alarm. Times have changed under Pope Francis, who has been hailed by some for opening conversations about sexuality and other subjects within the church. Among those who asked for a more meaningful dialogue and more welcoming space, we also find those who, for various reasons, feel a tension between belonging to the church and their own loving relationships, such as remarried divorcees, single parents, people living in a polygamous marriage, LGBTQ people, and so on, the document states. People desire that the church be a refuge for the wounded and broken, not an institution for the perfect. That's not the issue, though, is it? The U.S. report that was included in the document stated, according to the report, the church should be patient and authentic rather than superior, walk alongside parishioners instead of judging them, and build genuine relationships. The document also includes a discussion surrounding the role of women in the church. Women remain the majority of those who attend liturgy and participate in activities, men a minority. Yet most decision-making and governance roles are held by men. Well, I think there's a reason for this. I'm not sure, but I think there's a reason for this. Okay? It's not tradition. It's not tradition. It is clear that the church must find ways to attract men to a more active membership in the church and to enable women to participate more fully at all levels of church life. As with the section on LGBTQ plus matters, the document cites one of the Continental Reports Pope Francis has commissioned worldwide. Here, the contribution came from New Zealand, which states that a lack of equality for women within the church is seen as a stumbling block for the church in the modern world. Paul doesn't seem to use the word stumbling block in any of those contexts, I can assure you. He does use the word, but it's not in any of those contexts. In the document, the Catholic Church does not make any commitments, and it acknowledges that some are skeptical of its contents, and some fear that embracing it would allow church teachings to be decided by vote instead of interpreting them according to ancient doctrine. Well, forget ancient doctrine. What we need is to—there has to be a basis for what people believe. There has to be a basis, or you have no basis at all. It just becomes whatever is decided at a particular time. God has given his word, if this is in fact the word of God, and each one of you has to come to that resolution in your own mind. You might read the Quran and think, oh, I'm going to become a Muslim. I can assure you there is no light in the Quran. I've read it. But having said that, the Bible claims to be the word of God. It upholds that all the way through it. It is a unified whole. What it says is it's been challenged for 2,000 years, and there is no error in this book. People love to find them. Somebody sent me a video about finding error in the Bible this morning, and it was incorrect. Okay? I can assure you that if you want to save yourself the hard work, this is the Word of God. We don't need to go any further than that, but I would ask you to also check that out yourself. Okay? They what? They tore Oh, yeah. Sure they did. The path to greater inclusion... The enlarged tent is a gradual one, the document says, as a reassurance to those who fear rapid change from the Christian Post. Now, I will go on and say this before I go to the next article, is that there are churches that have all kinds of things that are not biblical, that are not Catholic churches, okay? And each one of them has to struggle with their own issues and come to their own conclusions about these things. But there has to be a standard, 
All right. If you have a book of discipline, the book of discipline can be amended. If you are going by tradition, traditions can change. But if you are going to hold to the biblical model, you need to hold to the Bible, which provides the biblical model. I just don't understand the thinking of people, but this is where we are in the world today. From the Christian Post, I love this. Ron mentioned this to me last week, and sure enough, I found the article. Iranian UFC fighter. Does anybody watch UFC? I didn't even know what it was. They used to have pro boxing, and apparently that's out. Nobody boxes anymore because it's, it's not bloody enough or something. But um, UFC fighter uses victory speech. This is an Iranian to share freedom in Christ amid protests in Iran. Now, listen to this guy. Iranian UFC fighter Benil Dariush took a moment during his recent victory speech to share the hope he has in Christ with the people of his country amid weeks of social unrest following the death of Masa Amini. His win by unanimous decision was his eighth in a row. Following the intense match, the Iranian-born American MMA fighter changed the course of his interview to share a specific message with his native people. I'm sorry, Daniel, but I've got to take a minute. I need to dedicate this fight to my people in Iran. I know you're struggling. I know you're fighting for freedom. I know it's a tough struggle. I want you guys to know we're praying for you and we love you. The 33-year-old shared one final thing for his people and everyone listening. Let me tell you one more thing. This might be the most important thing you will ever hear. There is true freedom, a freedom that no one can take from you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Don't ever forget that. If you remember one thing I say, remember that. He was also asked what he needed to do to chase down a championship opportunity. Now, I was told by Ron that at eight wins, they should be offering it to him. He shouldn't have to chase it down. They should be coming to him, but they haven't. Anyway, he said, here's what I will tell you. My crown will come from my Lord and Savior. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful. Okay, we got some news from the Mideast and Africa today from the Business Insider. <laughs> it's just wonderful. Saudi ruler Mohammed bin Salman is seeking to humiliate Biden as a part of global power play. <laughs> A diplomat spat between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia degenerated into petty name-calling, a public sign of the dire strait of relations between the two countries. I can tell you that when you're campaigning to be in the office of President of the United States and you call one of your greatest allies a pariah state, yeah. you're making a big mistake, especially when they control you, okay? The exchange fueled by a dispute over oil production is a further blow to an alliance which for decades has been marked by predictability. The U.S. provides arms and security to the Saudis and gains a key strategic partner in a volatile region in return. It is a change driven by the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, who is deliberately snubbing the United States in an attempt to chart a more independent path. With Mohammed bin Salman at the helm, Saudi Arabia is very determined to assert its autonomy from the United States. The leadership in Riyadh has been sending many signals to Washington that the kingdom will pursue its own national interests as perceived by Saudi officials which includes deepening cooperation with Beijing and Moscow. Specifically, this has taken the form of Saudi Arabia joining Russia, other oil-rich nations, to announce a steep cut in production. This was the exact 
opposite of the request from the Biden admin to increase oil production in the hope of lower prices that would help tame U.S. inflation and deprive Russia of revenue. That's not why he wanted that done. It's because he wanted the lower prices so he could get into, uh, have a uh, majority in the House and Senate again. And that didn't work out. So he's been selling off our national security by lowering our strategic petroleum reserves down to the lowest level in eons, eons. He sold away our nation because he wants to get a couple more votes. Per a report in the New York Times, U.S. officials thought they had secured a deal with Saudi Arabia and were blindsided when their plan fell apart. The result has been humiliation for Biden, who has sought to build an international coalition against Russia and to build bridges with the Saudis. Biden, you don't have to build bridges if you don't burn them down in the first place. That's for sure. Biden risked the wrath of critics and his own party to visit the crown prince in Jeddah in July, embarrassingly walking back a campaign pledge to render Saudi Arabia a pariah. Let's be clear. The Saudi move was done with the full awareness that it would undermine Biden's political position at home and abroad. It came just ahead of the midterm elections where Democrat candidates are vulnerable to criticism from Republicans over inflation. The analyst said that Crown Prince Mohammed believes that drawing closer to Russia and China will secure more leverage internationally. The Crown Prince also shares with Putin an obsession with crushing domestic opposition, and both men are authoritarian to their core. It's not just geopolitical calculation that is drawing Americans and Saudis apart, but personal antipathy between Biden and Ben Salman, reports say. The Wall Street Journal reported that the Crown Prince mocks Biden in private, making fun of the 79-year-old gaffes and questioning his mental acuity. Biden, for his part, has taken a stand against the assassination of Saudi dissident Jamal Khashoggi, who was murdered, then dismembered in the Saudi's consulate in Istanbul in 2018 by agents, an operation U.S. intelligence has said was ordered by Muhammad. Okay, so it doesn't really matter to Muhammad, and the reason why is because if we stop taking care of them and defending them with our uh, airstrips over there, we have air bases and all kinds of stuff, if we stop doing that, the Russians will step right in and do it for him. It doesn't make any difference to him at all. He controls the oil, and therefore he controls the narrative. And that's all there is to it. So Biden is just like Obama. They're neophytes in understanding the bigger picture of the world, okay? And so this is what we have to face in this nation because of the decisions made by them. They loved Trump. Trump made the right decisions, and he had a good alliance with these people. It's all being frittered away because of this current guy that's sitting in the White House. From Zero Hedge, U.S. has no plans to withdraw from Syria or end sanctions, says the White House. Now, we were in Syria. Trump said we're getting out of Syria. Trump started to get us out of Syria, and the Pentagon went absolutely ballistic. Okay, this comes down to one three-letter word, and that's all it comes down to. What? Oil. Oil. War is the result. Endless wars, but it comes down to oil. The coordinator of strategic communications for Washington's NSC, John Kirby, said that the U.S. has no plans to either ease the Caesar Act, sanctions against Syria, or to withdraw its illegally occupying forces from the country. In an attempt to justify the U.S. president presence in Syria, 
Kirby said that only a thousand American soldiers were stationed there. A thousand? Five hundred? It doesn't matter. The number is irrelevant. If we have people there illegally, we should not be there. Okay? The U.S. official also claimed that Washington does not wish to shift the balance of power in Syria, suggesting that it has abandoned its regime change policy against Damascus. Despite this claim, the U.S. continues to support and arm militant groups in the country. Despite also claiming that its presence in Syria aims to deter ISIS, U.S. forces only carry out superficial strikes and operations against the extremist group, killing civilians in the process, while the SAA continues to pursue the organization thoroughly. Instead, U.S. troops in Syria are preoccupied with their persistent and illegal oil looting operations, the latest of which took place on 26 October. Lately, Washington has even stepped up its looting of Syrian oil in order to alleviate the man-made energy crisis it faces, as well as to ease the effect of the latest decision by OPEC to cut output production levels. According to the Syrian oil ministry, U.S. forces have stolen more than 80% of the country's daily oil output. Damascus and Moscow have both repeatedly and strongly condemned the U.S. occupation as well as its sanctions and policy of looting Syria's natural resources. We got a mess over there, and Trump almost got us out. The Pentagon, which he should not have trusted, convinced him to stay in there. He stayed in there in a limited form, and all they did was go in, add more people in there, and they've undone all of the good that President Trump has done. They've undone all of it. Now some something interesting from Mongolia, from Xinhua. Mongolia issues warning for snowstorms. What are those? <laughs> Mongolia's National Agency for Meteorology and Environmental Monitoring issued a warning of heavy snow and snowstorms. The volatile weather is expected to continue across large parts of the country in the coming days, urging drivers and nomadic herders to take extra precautions against possible disasters. I got to go out and see if the coconuts are okay. I Dan hey, listen, yesterday we had some more coconuts. I didn't bring any in because I brought so many in last week. Everybody was like, please don't bring any more in. But Lee here opened his very first coconuts ever. And so I said, now this isn't easy. I'm going to show you how to do it. And then you can open some and I'll open some. And, we'll, and uh, he, I showed him how to do one. And then he started pecking away at it. And I had five while he was still working on number one. So it's a science. But once you get it down, it does go quickly. He had a good time and he's got some to take back up to uh, Maryland where it snows sometimes. And uh, don't plant them. There's no point in planting them. They're not going to live up there, okay? Anyway, there you go. Okay, we got... Uh, Daniel prophesied that technology would increase in the end times from New Atlas. 64-dimensional quantum space drastically boosts quantum computing. Scientists have demonstrated a powerful technique that will allow quantum computers to store much more info in photons of light. The team managed to encode eight levels of data into photons and read it back easily, representing an exponential leap over previous systems, which are already exponentially more than what we currently use. Traditional computers store and process info in binary bits, which can hold a value of zero or one. Now, if you don't understand this, every single thing that comes into you from your, uh, on your computer screen 
is either a one or a zero. Everything. If you have a picture, it's made of billions and billions of ones and zeros that form a picture. Everything that you get into your computer is a zero or one. They have quantum computing now, which can increase that exponentially, and now they can do this again, another exponential level above that. So things are changing very quickly in the uh, field of computing. Quantum computers boost this power drastically with their quantum bits or qubits, which can hold values of zero, one, or both at the same time. But an emerging version of qubits, known as qdits, up the game even more. Rather than just two values like qubits, qdits can theoretically contain dozens of different values, greatly increasing the data processing and storage potential. Better yet, Qubits are also more resilient against external noise that can disrupt the qubits. But, of course, there is a catch. It's hard to measure and read back data stored on qubits. So for the new study, researchers at Oak Ridge National Laboratory, Purdue University, and EPFL have developed a technique to produce and read qubits more reliably. In their experiments, they generated qubits that could each hold up to eight levels of information and quantum entangled them in pairs to generate a 64-dimensional quantum space. This, the team says, is four times larger. The experiments start by shining a laser into a micro-ring resonator, which is a small circular structure that produces pairs of photons with eight-dimensional states. The color frequencies of these pairs are entangled, producing a quantum space that can theoretically hold up to 64 values of data. The researchers used an electro-optic phase modulator to mix the different frequencies of light in different ways. Then a pulse shaper modified the phase of these frequencies. These instruments are already often used in telecommunications, but in this case, the team performed the operations at random. This generates many different types of frequency correlations, which the scientists then analyzed using statistical methods and simulations to find the ones that work best for quantum information systems. In future experiments, the team plans to send these entangled photons down optical fibers to test things like quantum teleportation and entanglement swapping, which will be useful protocols for quantum communication. Now, I remember when I was just starting out on the internet, I was over in Japan at the time, and they came out with the internet, and they also came out with um, emails. And I remember sitting there emailing somebody live in Texas, and I couldn't believe that this was actually happening. It was, it was unbelievable, because we used to send everything that we had out by data cards. We'd punch out these cards, put the information in the computer, it would punch out these cards, they'd carry the cards down to the transfer center, and then they would send all this data on, and then it would be punched into cards and rebrought back into the system somewhere in the world, okay? And then we got emails and we started going through all these different things. I remember we had dial up modems and you would put it there and it make all that noise. Yeah, and you're hearing all this noise and it would take like seven hours to download a single picture and at the very end it would say, we just lost communication, and so you didn't get your picture. And then they came up with the T1 lines, remember that? And everybody had to have that. That's so ancient technology that nobody would even dream of using that anymore. And we're just going on and on and on into the future. I just love what's happening with communications. All right, it's a dangerous world, including the inevitable plagues of the book of Revelation. Well, here's what we got today from the Gateway Pundit. 
I really have no sympathy on the next two people I'm going to mention. None. Actor Tim Robbins just admitted the truth about safe and effective COVID vaccines. I bought into it. I demonized people. I was guilty of everything that I came to understand was not healthy. He should have done his due diligence first instead of just excoriating people and believing the government line. Okay. From the very outset of this, we were at the forefront of saying this is wrong. All right. That's all there is to it. Next guy is going to be surprising to you once again. No, no sympathy on this guy at all. From the blaze, after advocating for COVID-19 vaccination for over a year, Ben Shapiro, everybody know him? Very right wing conservative. He says he was deceived. We were lied to by everyone. He should have checked things out. People were harmed. People's lives were lost because of people like that not checking things out. From the Hill, CDC director tests positive for COVID-19 again. It was just two weeks ago, again, after completing a round of Paxlovid. That didn't work either, did it? From Michael P. Singer, health officials dumped stocks. Listen to this. If this doesn't make you angry, I don't know what could. Health officials dumped stocks in January, January of 2020, before COVID was declared an emergency. In a shocking new report from the Wall Street Journal, not just some kooks, leading health officials began offloading stocks at truly unprecedented rates in January 2020, well before the COVID-19 emergency was declared, with officials at the DHHS, surprisingly or not, selling 60% more stocks in January 2020 than average over the previous 12 months. One deputy to Fauci reported selling between 157,000 and 480,000 in stocks before the end of January. Weeks later, stock prices around the world went into freefall at the fastest rate since the Great Depression as word got round that officials were planning a complete shutdown of the global economy. That leading officials were already privately planning to recreate China's lockdowns across the Western world by January 2020, however, and making stock trades based on those plans further confirms the all-too-prescient stock tip by someone who claimed to have friends and family in the medical industry and field, including at CDC and one close friend at the World Health Organization on January 30th, 2020, which proved to be a near-perfect foretelling of the subsequent events. There are very high-profile investors who've been silently pulling out ahead of time. The World Health Organization is already talking about how problematic modeling the Chinese response in Western countries is going to be, and the first country that they want to try out in it is anybody? Italy. Remember Italy? If it begins a large outbreak in a major Italian city, they want to uh, work through the Italian authorities and World Health Organizations to begin locking down Italian cities in a vain attempt to slow down the spread at least until they can develop and distribute vaccines, which, by the way, is where you need to start investing. If you're not angry right now, I, I can't even think of what you're thinking. Gateway Pundit. Court orders Israeli Ministry of Health to disclose vaccination status of deceased people during the pandemic. We're going to find out what they have been hiding. Gateway Pundit. 
COVID vaccine injury payments explode in Australia, more than 80 times higher than the last year. Mail online. A worry this winter? Flu and RSV co-infection creates entirely new untreatable hybrid study finds as both viruses surge across the United States. And they believe this surge is because people no longer have suitable immunity because they were locked up. Just one thing leads to another, folks. Does any everybody here remember that the superior word never closed once? Not once. We're all pretty healthy here, folks. From the Washington Post, my wife's laughing. (laughs) She's snickering. Japanese snicker. From the Washington Post. So far, this flu season is more severe than it has been in 13 years. CNN. Monkeypox has tragic outcomes in patients with HIV. CDC report finds. New research in the CDC's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report examined clinical case data for 57 patients hospitalized with monkeypox complications and found that 82% had HIV infection. Six people who tested positive for monkeypox had died. Health departments confirm. In the report, 95% of the patients were male and most, 68%, were black. It's a racist disease. CNN. Feds begin expedited process to help save drought-stricken Colorado River. Do you know what that means? That means that it's going to get worse, not better, because when you get the feds involved in anything, it gets worse. Morality is declining. Yes. From Breitbart. All gay streaming channel Diva Box Office to launch in December. Does that mean, I don't mind they have their own channel. Does that mean that we can have this nonsense off of our TV channels now? Just get rid of it. If they have their own channel, good. We don't need to have this nonsense shoved in our face anymore. Newsmax. U.S. abortions decreased by 10,000 after Roe versus Wade overturned. Good. Mail online. CDC quietly replaces pregnant women with pregnant people in flu vaccine advice to be inclusive to trans groups. They did this about a week and a half ago. Didn't tell anybody. They just changed the wording, but some smart person just happened to see it happen. Zero hedge. Virginia Military Institute went woke. Enrollment fell 25%. New York Post. Canada expanding assisted suicide law to the mentally ill. Just like Nazi Germany. They say the left is always saying the right's a bunch of Nazis. Every single thing that the left has done, everything has modeled Nazi Germany. And then they project that onto the right. Everything they've done. Listen to this one. New American. Child euthanasia without parental consent. Canada is considering just that. Just a couple years ago when I first reported on this, they were saying that this will be in the most extreme cases only. Euthanasia will be very, very limited, most extreme cases. Now they're saying that children can walk into a clinic because they got a breakup with their boyfriend and say, I want to kill myself, and they don't even have to tell their parents they're going to kill their kids. That's why they're getting rid of handguns right now in Canada, because parents wouldn't take that. They'd go in and kill the entire clinic. 
They're just trying to remove. Uh, that's the way it is. I understand that. But people will be so upset when this happens that they're just going to go in there and go ballistic. Well, you take away the, the opportunity for that. You've got kids just killing themselves without any any repercussions at all. This is Canada. Some other news from around the world. Just so you know, someone gave $2,000 for the school in Kenya. I couldn't believe it. Sent a check-in for that, and uh, that's very much appreciated. There's still about 2000 to finish this up. It might be a little more or less, and I can get the numbers from Silas. But if anybody wants to help, I was just so thankful that this person did that. I don't know if I can give his name, so I won't. But I'm just sending the money, and uh, we've had somebody pay for uh, you know all of the ground level. Somebody paid for all the walls. The church picked up the roof and we've got, the thing is just about done over there. There's probably about 2,000 left. So if you want to see this school done in Kenya, please let me know. From Zero Hedge, Musk neuters Twitter, Ministry of Truth ahead of midterms. (laughs) From the the Business Insider, Elon Musk has dissolved Twitter's nine-person board of directors and become its sole director. (laughs) From the Gateway Pundit, Elon Musk restores Mark Fincham's account after Twitter suspends him eight days before the general election. This guy is a Republican. He wants to uh, tweet. They suspend him. And I bet you the person that did that no longer has a job. From Fox, fuel, yeah, best day of his life. Fuel company issues diesel shortage warning, says conditions rapidly devolving. Major fuel supply and logistics company is raising a red flag on upcoming diesel fuel shortages. Mansfield Energy issuing the alert stating there was a developing diesel fuel shortage in the southeastern region of the United States. The company speculated that the shortage could be generated from poor pipeline shipping economies and a historically low supply of diesel reserves. States that are expected to experience serious effects of the shortage include Maryland, Maryland, Virginia, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, North Carolina, and South Carolina. The EIA reported this week that as of 14 October, which is obviously two weeks ago, the U.S. had only 25 days of reserve diesel supply, a low not seen since 2008. Creators, Biden's destroying the economy. Is it intentional? Everywhere I go, people, this is a commentary. I picked out the highlights from it for you. Everywhere I go, people are mystified about Biden's economic agenda. So few of the policies comport with basic common sense that I'm asked the same question over and over. Is Biden intentionally trying to take a wrecking ball to the economy? Is this all part of some diabolical plan, the great reset to end our system of free market capitalism and replace it with some form of big government socialism? My belief is that, now listen to this, I've heard a lot of hisses and yeses. My belief is that, no, this is one stupid person, okay? I don't think this is an intentional, nefarious, Dr. Evil type plot, but if this were a scheme to burn down the village in order to rebuild it, Biden and his admin are doing a great job of it. So he's just, he's naive as he can be, is all there is to it. Here are seven Biden admin steps to undermine an economy and a society from within. They will all sound familiar with the president's policy since he took office 21 months ago. Number one, dismantle the nation's energy supply. We get 70% of our energy from fossil fuels. Biden has declared war on American oil and gas, making us more dependent on our enemies for our basic energy needs. 
That's actually two issues, but he put them under one. Number two, don't enforce the border. Biden is letting hundreds of thousands. Actually, I read this morning it's now up to 5.5 million have come over the border. Hundreds of thousands of potential criminals, terrorists, and welfare recipients and enemies of the United States into our country through a porous southern border with Mexico. Immigration is good, but it must be orderly and regulated. Number three, devalue the nation's currency through inflation. If you want to see inflation, just type in Milton Friedman on inflation. It's only like a two minute long video and he will tell you exactly who causes it and why. This guy in the White House has caused it. Yes. And he, this is years ago he said this, but he says, no, what you think is wrong. And he explains it in a very concise, short sentence. Milton Friedman, inflation, just something like that and it'll come up. There's two or three videos and they're all short. Okay, yes, and number three, devalue the nation's currency through inflation. Inflation is up nearly 9% since Biden came into office. Inflation is a means to erode the value of a currency. Number four, destroy the nation's finances by running up the debt by multiple trillions of dollars. No president in modern times has so recklessly pushed our nation into debt as rapidly as Biden through his $4 trillion in spending paid for with red ink. Number five, divide rather than unite the nation. Rich versus poor, black versus white, gay versus straight, rural versus urban. Biden promised unity. Instead, he pits groups against each other. This is the identity politics of the left that is the opposite of E pluribus unum. Number six, dumb down and indoctrinate our children with an anti-American propaganda in the schools and media allowing teachers, unions, and left-wing activists to take over the curriculum with anti-American propaganda. It is the opposite of nurturing patriotism and love of country. Okay, I said this over the past two weeks. I'll say it again. This is not Biden doing this. This is Biden agreeing to do it while Obama tells him what to do. Yeah. Number seven, decriminalize a lot. Let criminals onto the streets and bail. Empty the prisons. Let minor crimes go unpunished. Biden's policies favor criminals over victims. It's a scene out of a Batman movie. Are these policies intentional? Yes. yes. Or simply completely misguided? I don't know because you're not thinking, but it does matter. Either way, our country is in grave peril. Mail online. Good, good Godwit. Anybody know what a Godwit is? Good Godwit. Bird flies 8,425 miles nonstop from Alaska to Australia, setting a new world record. And I brought up one last year where he had set a record. This guy blew that guy away. Five-month-old bird had been tagged before it set off from Alaska on October 13th. The juvenile landed in Anson's Bay, Northeast Tasmania, Australia, on 24 October, it flew at least 8,425 miles in 11 days and one hour without stopping. You talk about the marvel of what God has put into this creation. And we dismiss that as evolution. We dismiss that as, I'm telling you what, what God has done is so incredible. It's so wonderful that a teeny little bird can do the unimaginable. 
just awesome God we serve. Absolutely awesome. Okay, who said it? To write in plain, vigorous language, one has to think fearlessly, and if one thinks fearlessly, one cannot be politically orthodox. To write in plain, vigorous language, one has to think fearlessly, and if one thinks fearlessly, one cannot be politically orthodox. George Orwell. Let's see, I've got a double Lesrick here for you today. Let's see if you can figure out what they're writing about. Behold, what a wonder God wrought. This bird for a landing has sought. It flew with its might before ending its flight, and now a world record has bought. There's a bird that without any rest made short time of a very long quest. 84, 2 and 5. He's not dead, but alive. In 11 days, proved he's the best. Okay, I got a little irony here for you and we'll be done. From the Texas Tribune. Mexican-born Republican rejected for admission to all Democrat Hispanic caucus. Mexican-born, she's over there trying to do things for the Hispanic people and they won't even let her into the Hispanic caucus. Mail online, black Republican candidate slams the sad congressional black caucus for backing her white Democrat opponent. Such is the world in which we live. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett and that is your CG Prophecy Report for the week.